Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, it's crazy to think that we're already two months in to a new year. And not just a new year, but a new decade. And so I'm, you know, it's such a gift when we have these marker moments in time. And I'm looking at my last year of my life, and not just the last year, but this last decade. I'm stepping back, probably like many of you, and I'm re-examining what took place. And one, I'm like, wow, those last 10 years went by really fast, which is kind of scary. And two, you know, look at all that God did. Look at what challenges there were. Am I where I thought I would be? Look, you know, there is some things that I, you know, all these different things that we could ask ourselves probably like you did. Does anybody here feel like they were exactly where they thought they would be 10 years ago? No. Either for good or for bad, and probably a little mixture of both. But I really, you know, I've just been pressing into the Lord this year, and like so many of you do, asking the Lord for a word for the year, asking him about the big and small things in my life, asking, you know, what his strategy is, what he, what he wants to do on the earth through me, and how to do it. And I just keep hearing the Holy Spirit ask me, Lindsay, are you who you want to be? Are you who you've always wanted to be in me? And so I know that there's a lot of challenges being issued forth right now. If you were here last week, then you know uh, Tracy issued us a huge challenge. If you weren't here, I really recommend going online on our YouTube uh, channel or our podcast channel and re-listening because she issued us this question, do you know Jesus? And that's it, right? That's everything. I could just drop the mic and walk off the stage, ask that question again, because it needs to be asked. That's the center of everything we are. And if we don't have that, then we don't, we, we just need to go home, you know? And then she issued us another challenge to take place in a 40-day fast with believers all over the nation to see the great end-time harvest that we've all been standing and believing for to actually come to pass in our lifetime. But I want to take it a step further, and I want to issue you a challenge and invite you into this journey that the Holy Spirit's taking me on and ask you, are you who you want to be? Are you who you've always wanted to be? There's this quote by this man. He was a missionary at the turn of the century. His name is C.T. Studd. And he, he says, One life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. One life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. You see, we are all given one life on this earth. We don't know how long it will be. But the Bible says over and over again, it's but a vapor, a blink of an eye compared to eternity. 
So we better be living it well. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to him. For one day we will all be openly revealed before Christ on his throne so that each of us will duly will be duly recompensed or judged for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15 says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I believe that these two verses are referring to a judgment day that will come at the end of the age. It's a judgment day for believers. We will have our life submitted in front of the throne of God. And we will be judged according to our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And if they were worthless, they will be burned up before our eyes. Our whole life's work will be burned up before our eyes. If they were not worthless, if we did good works for the Lord and unto him, we will actually get rewarded. Paul said to run our race as if to receive a reward. It's because there's actually going to be rewards for us in heaven. Titus 2.14 says, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. James 2.14-17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The Passion Translation says, So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Yikes. Do we have a phony faith? I look around this room and I see an exceptional people, an exceptional body. You know, we were referred to as a remnant people, these people that would go after God and the fullness of everything he has for them and everything he is. You guys love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. I think about people like Jess, Justice, who is in the education mountain, and she's given her life, you know, to educate these children and then has found, on top of that, a great passion for the people of Juarez, Mexico. And every chance she gets, she goes across the border and brings Bibles and clothes and diapers and preaches the gospel 
and praise and prophesize. I think about the Ochoas. They're not here, but they, you know, are in the business mountain as a photographer and makeup artist, but they found a great passion as well for the poor of our city. And so they've given themselves to reaching the lost through the homeless. And so they have, they have started a homeless ministry. And I think about all of you who gather together and come as a team and gird us, me and Shondell up, and serve the modern-day widow and orphan around Christmas time and give so generously to see women and children that are in the sex industry come to know the love of God. I'm so proud to be in this church, and I'm going to try not to cry. I don't know why I'm getting all teary-eyed thinking about it, because you really are an exceptional people. And I know you, like me, are all believing for this great end-time harvest. It's one of the greatest desires of my heart. It is the greatest desire of my heart, and I know I'm not alone. You know, we're, that's why we're here. That's why we are in this body, because we're all of one of mind and one, of, one accord. And maybe like me, you've been praying for revival for years, decades. I remember being 17 on the floor of my church, weeping and crying for revival. I'm sure all of you have memories like that, you know, where you're like, wow, I have, I've been praying for decades for this. But maybe you're also tired. It hasn't come. I've been praying for decades. I'm tired. Maybe you've stopped dreaming. Maybe you've had terrible life-altering things happen. You're like, yeah, the last 10 years are not what I thought they would be. I have had some really terrible things happen to me. Maybe your dreams are fully alive. You haven't lost your zeal. You're still dreaming big dreams. But you're just like, I don't know how to go from point A to point B. I, I mean, it's going to have to be the Lord that gets me there. I can relate to every single one of those things in some way, shape, or form. When I was 19... I first heard about the issue of sex trafficking for the first time, and I was undone. I was so gripped and so burdened and so grieved, and I just remember being like, just clueless, first of all, that this even existed. I'm sure, like many of you, when you first heard about it, and I just was like telling everybody I could did you know that this was happening? And I just remember not being able to sleep for weeks about it, just really being gripped. And I knew that it wasn't just another thing that, you know, burdened my heart, but that I was supposed to do something in my life to eradicate this. And I had just started dating this handsome drummer boy. I was in my sophomore year of college. And you know, I ended up, like, four years later, in the middle of college, I went, we both went to Christ for the Nations, and I ended up finally graduating with my bachelor's, and 
like a month later, I marry that handsome drummer boy. And God, you know, really took us on this journey of we had been at this amazing, massive church, and we were both on leadership there. And I had started reading Bill Johnson's When Heaven Invades Earth. And I it just wrecked me and flipped my world. And we just knew that God was calling us to these deeper places in him. So um, we actually took a trip to, to go to Bethel. We had friends on staff there, and we went and stayed with them. And I was so excited on Sunday morning. I just could not wait to see Bill because I had been reading his book. And, I mean, it really was just such a life-altering book. I don't know if you guys have read it. If, please go read it if you haven't. It's, it'll change your life. But imagine my dismay when this random man walks out named Bob. And I'm like, where's Bill? <laughs> it was his brother, Bob, who I had never heard of. Have you ever heard of Bob? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're here. And <laughs> so this whole time, you know, I'm still, you know, going through college. I'd never let go of this desire to go rescue women and children from trafficking. But I'm in college, you know, starting a life, new life. And I'm like, I'm not going to Cambodia. I'm here in Dallas, like, what can I do? But I still was like, I know that I'm supposed to do something. Well, it was such a God setup, of course, because Bob starts talking about how he lives in San Francisco and he ministers to the prostitutes there and that a lot of them are trafficked. And that's, you know, trafficking looks different in the U.S. And I'm just so, it's like all this whoosh, you know, these dreams are like, birth back to life again. And God did so much through that trip. Like it really was just the start of this beautiful journey. And then very shortly after we had found storehouse and started coming here. But I just remember at the end of the service, I was like, oh, you know, telling these people that we were staying with that uh, were on staff there. And I was like, <laughs> just, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. And I mean, that's, that's like the passion of my life. And, um, <laughs> you know, but I'm just so unqualified. How could I ever do that? And, you know, they're just so sweet, encouraging me, like, you know, Lindsay, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. And just do something. Put your hands to something, and he'll work everything out. So I get back home, and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> so I start doing all this research, and around the, you know, this was like nine years ago, and ten, maybe ten. And so I'm not seeing really anybody that had, you know, I'm like Googling, and nobody's doing anything that's like really putting their hands, like doing outreach to these women. And I'm telling my friend how frustrated I am that nobody's doing anything in our city. And she's like, actually, I met a lady the other day. I feel like I'm supposed to introduce you to her. So fast forward, I meet with this lady. Thankfully, she met with like this random stranger. And, and I'm telling her how passionate I am. She's like, I can see that you're really passionate for the issue 
of sex trafficking, but it looks really different here in Dallas. A lot of these girls are pimped, you know, by their boyfriends, by, um, you know, by a pimp. Um, their traffic, you know, that's like our modern day trafficking here in the U.S. And sometimes, you know, they're just in a prison of their own making. And it's really about the sex culture of a city. It's about a purity issue. You know, it's it's more wide and all-encompassing. And she's like, Do you, you know, she had been um, a stripper and had gotten sa- radically saved. And so she really wanted, you know, that was her dream to go back into the industry. And she really had pioneered doing that. She was one of the first people that ever went and did that. And so I don't know why, but she took me under her wing. She had a big, kind of a big ministry already established and a big team. And she would take me, just the two of us, and we'd go to these clubs and we'd talk to management. And it's so funny looking back because I was really timid. <laughs> and she wasn't. And she would be like, you know, talking to the managers, like, we're going to come in next Friday. Are you ready for us? Are you, is that cool? And like, what do you need? And, and then we'd go to the next club and she'd be like, all right, your turn. And I was like, <gasps> you know, it's really, <laughs> I, I came from like a really sheltered background. I'm like, like looking around. <laughs> but again, it was a God setup because now I've gotten the opportunity to go all over the nation and do that too, you know, take girls with me and say, all right, your turn <laughs> and train them how to do it. Why do I tell that story? It's because it wasn't originally what I had intended to do. And I have I ask anyone, ask my husband, we, I love these women. And I, our family has sacrificed a lot to see these women encounter Jesus. And it's not a burden because it's done in love. You know, I'm not trying to say like, <laughs> but even though I love these women, it's not what I originally, I wanted to go rescue children in Cambodia. And I still do. Every word we get is about the nations and about children. And one of the biggest dreams of our heart is to have safe homes. Don't really care like where they are. They could be here or in the nations. But we want to see women and children rescued and restored from sexual trauma. That is like the biggest dream of our heart. Now, has that come to full fruitfulness yet. No. And I actually don't know how it will. It's a God dream. And that's really cool because it'll have to be all him. And I'm sure each one of you carry a God dream like that. We're like, I don't have any clue how that could possibly be realized. But I'm so thankful that in this last 10 years, I didn't wait for these safe homes to be my ministry, that I did something. I did what was put in front of me And with all humility, I've done it very faithfully. And I have to believe that God is going to bless me in that in the future because I've been faithful with the small things. Heidi Baker, you know, our modern-day Mother Teresa, I don't know if you know this about her, but she has like a Ph.D. in theology. And so she finished it up in London 
And she, you know, that was her, her big dream, passion of her life was the poor, the poor and the orphaned. Well, I used to live in London. London is not like a poor place. There's poor everywhere you go, but it's pretty posh, you know. I'm sure it wasn't like, it's definitely not equivalent to the dirt huts in Africa and Mozambique. But even there, she would go out into the streets and she would find the poor and minister to them wherever she was. And again, I have to believe that because she was faithful in London, God took her to Africa and blessed her in Africa. The last thing I want to do today is put a heavy burden on you guys to make you feel like you're not doing enough or make you start doing something out of striving. I think it's vital to know what God has called you to and to do that excellently and to do that with your full heart. I think it's vital to stay in your own lane. I'd love to do all the things, ask my husband. He has to rain me back down to earth sometimes. But if I do my thing well, and Matthew and Aisha do their thing well, Brad and Sharon do their thing well, you get it. We all complete the body. We actually do bring massive reformation and change to the earth because we're all doing our one thing well. I also think it's vital to know your season. I talked about the nations, you know. We'd love to go. There's been doors opening up for us to do some international ministry in the past year or two. And I haven't been able to take those opportunities because I just had a baby. And my children are my first ministry right now, raising my little babies. And that's the season I'm in. And that's okay. So I think it's vital to know your season and to stay in your lane. But I also want to challenge you guys and have you ask yourself, have I been complacent about anything? I want you to think about when you were the most zealous, passionate in your faith. Maybe you were young in your faith. Maybe you were young in your age. For me, it was when I was a teenager and young adult, and we would do things like go to Walmart on a Friday night and preach the gospel for fun. You know? <laughs> Those things, like, think about it. I want you to go back, even right now, as I'm speaking to that place in your mind. Have you lost those things that you were once zealous to do for the Lord because of your love for him? Where have those gone? Are you still passionate about winning the lost like you were when you got saved? I think it's a good time to ask us how ourselves, how am I being a physical part of the harvest? When Jesus issued the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, he, the word doesn't say that he gave that command to a certain demographic or a certain personality type or a certain 
spiritual gifting. He didn't tell the evangelists to go make disciples. He told everyone that believed in him to go, to go. Did you know that only 17% of churchgoers know what the Great Commission is or what it means? That's in America. Those are Barna Institute statistics. That means the church in America as a whole is not talking about the Great Commission. I think that number is probably significantly higher here. Did you also know that 37% of non-believers are interested to know who God is? 34% of non-believers feel that something is missing from their life. If every believer in the United States would lead just one person to Jesus, one-third of America would be saved. It's really interesting because those earlier numbers, the 37 and 34% are about a third. Those scriptures I referred to earlier, they talk about good works. And I wanted to make sure I was getting this right for you guys. And so I went and did some study. And every single reference to good works in the Greek, which is like their original manuscript, translated to the word ergon. And it means labor. It means work. Just what you think it would mean. So we have this Bob Jones prophecy saying, just watch. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, then the great end time harvest will come. I propose to you that harvest will only come if we work or labor to get there. We actually have to go. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Leonard Ravenhill said, if we have prayer without missions, then we will walk with a limp. Pray that a Christian is like, has two legs, and the legs are prayer and missions. And if we don't have one or the other, we will walk with a limp. And I saw the Lord in prayer. I just saw him uniting. Prayer was wit written in one hand, missions was on the other, and he was uniting them. And I, I don't want to exalt the sacred over secular. I believe full well that my husband, who's a carpenter, can lead as many people to the Lord or more than I can on the streets of Dallas through his work. The Jacksons, who are so faithful and obeying the call of the Lord to open up Native Coffee can lead more people through the Lord, through Native, than preaching the gospel on the streets. We have to be faithful to what God has called us to do. But I really want to challenge you and me to be living our life in light of eternity. Doing those things like native, like carpentry, with eternity in mind. Can I get the worship team back up, Bethany?
Can you guys stand with me? I just want to ask you if you're feeling like well that's great everything you're saying is great but I don't even like have a desire to do that like I'm just dull inside I want to pray for you this is the day We're not getting any younger, you guys. We're not. And this is a new day, a new decade. We get to have a fresh start. I don't want you guys to look back in another decade and say, oh, I missed it. I'm still not who I wanted to be when I grew up. So I want to call, call you up here down to the altar for a couple things. If you're feeling apathetic, if you've been living a complacent life, if you feel dull in your spirit, not hungry to lead people to the Lord, not hungry for God, I want to pray for you. This is your day to turn it around. I want to pray for you too if you if you need to come back to the beginning again. Back and dream with God. Back to being zealous for his good works. If that's you, I want to pray for you. This is the day of your return. And I feel like for anybody else in here that just wants to see their dreams realized, I want to pray for you as well. I want to surrender again and again and again. To say yes again and again and again. So I'm going to pray, and if any one of those belongs to you, I just come kneel at the altar. God, we say yes. We say yes to you, God. We say yes again and again and again. We say yes to hunger. God, we say yes to everything you have for us, everything you are. I ask that you remove any apathetic bone in our body, any complacent bone in our body. Remove it today. Make us sharp. Cause our spirits to come alive again. Awaken us in love. that all dullness would be gone. 
in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, God, to take us back, back to the beginning, back to our first love when we were so zealous, so passionate to do anything for you, whatever it looked like, that we would go, we would go to the ends of the earth if you asked us to. God, we say yes, that we will go, that we would do anything for you and that we will obey your call to seeing the Great Commission fulfilled. We say yes to seeing the Great Commission fulfilled. We say yes to the dreams that you've put in our heart. We say we will go. We will put our hands to this. 